0: The Bone Bad Joe is intended for adults only and contains bad words and other yucky stuff that may make some people very angry. So watch out!
1: Oh, hey, it's you. Yeah,
2: uh, you can see, we're not quite ready yet, but uh, don't worry, you'll know what's going on soon enough. The PC Lounge. You haven't seen Stu and Jay like this before. Coming this summer to a podcatcher near you.
0: Bone bat,
3: bone bat, bone bat. It's time for the Bone Bat podcast, where you can listen to Steve and It's a kick-ass digital broadcast where we've got dick jokes galore.
1: Bone bat, get in my belly!
3: What's up everybody? Welcome to episode 26 of the Bone Bat Show. This is Steve. And this is Gord. How you doing man? I'm doing good. Once we again. Got someone in the studio with we us? We do. There? We've got a special guest this evening, the lovely Ska Mama. Julie rejoins us once again.
4: Hey, what's up? Man, it's, I'm, I'm,
5: uh,
3: it's been a while back. since you've been with us. What's what what's been holding you up? I've been a little busy. Definitely glad to have you back in the Bone Bat Studio. I gotta say. Yeah. So what have you
5: been busy doing? You you doing some serious uh, crocheting, knitting, mm-hmm. uh, some yarn work. Yeah, stitch. basically
4: all that stuff. I do writing and editing and that kind of stuff. But you know, I'm here to have some fun now.
5: Because <laughs> that stuff's no fun.
4: She's been trying
3: to crochet you exactly. some anal beads out of <laughs> organic fibers, which is pretty oh, amazing. Wow.
5: Well, that would be great. If she could finish that up, I've got particularly large balls. And if you could, like, crochet <laughs> some sort of scrotal <laughs> pillow for I'm thinking diesel
4: make... bundling twine. Does that sound good to you?
5: <laughs> That's awesome. Ouch. It depends on how it's bundled, I guess. <laughs>
3: So, before we get too far here, I'd like to uh, introduce this episode's music. You are listening to MU330 from St. Louis, Missouri. We've uh, had a, a pretty good uh, response whenever we've played a little ska on the show. Uh, we've visited with the Parka Kings and Mustard Plug, and now it's time for a little more ska. And what a better way to kick off the summer, huh?
4: Scott rocks.
5: Sk- well, no, rock, rocks, Ska, um, ska
4: Rocks the shit.
3: Well, these guys are kind of ska punk, so I, I think it straddles the line
5: nicely. It does. Good straddling, guys. Exactly.
3: <laughs> and we are, uh, this is our food episode. So we've, we've got a theme that we're going to be rocking this uh, evening. Uh, talking about, you know, something's pretty universal. We all have to eat. So uh, what better theme could you think of? Absolutely. On, it's on... a
5: food episode.
3: On top of that, uh, something new for the Bone Bat Show. We've interviewed Josh Eisenstadt, the director of a film called Dark Real uh, that is out now, a new horror film on DVD, and uh, we're going to be reviewing that in the show and also presenting an interview, which uh, is something new for us. We don't do that too often. Hopefully, we'll be doing more, though.
5: Get in our show.
3: No shit.
5: Okay, but before we start, I got to share something. I got a little something, something to tell you. This has never happened to me before. This is this was a new one. Maybe this is an old scam. Everyone well, else is aware premature of
3: premature ejaculation or what?
5: No, no, that's old hat. <laughs>
3: that, um, that has happened to you before. Yeah. No, you I, you said that to your wife. You know, this has happened to me before. <laughs> Odds are it'll happen again.
5: I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I hear I'm going to have a new health issue. It's coming soon. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> no, it, it kind of involves my wife, though, because I wanted to take her out to dinner for her birthday and as a surprise to her, I was gonna swing by some friends' house, pick them up, and take them out to dinner with us, these friends of ours that she never gets to see. So I was gonna do this, but my car, my car is just freaking filthy. I mean, it's, it's dirty inside and out because I'm a pig and I carry the kids around in the car, and the kids are pigs, and I never wash the outside of the car. So we were kinda getting low on time, and I, I started washing the car because so I wanted to wash the inside. And so I I do that and I get to the part where I have to vacuum and then it just is one of those things where you just, nothing goes right. To get to the vacuum, I have to go through these big cardboard boxes in the garage, which are things I just told my wife I was going to throw away. And I'm like, ah, you know what? I should throw these away. So I, I, first one I grab, I notice it's full of like old flyers and paint chips and stuff. And I dump that into the trash. And as I do so, I noticed that there's a lot in that box that really doesn't look like trash. So I got I got to go back to my wife and say, did you fill that box with things that weren't supposed to be thrown away? No. Yeah, sure enough, she, the box that I, I said I was going to make into trash, she promptly filled up with non-trash items, which are now in the trash can. So we. It's one of those, no, honey, don't, you don't, I'll get it. Yeah, no, And then she's like digging in the trash to get the shit out. And I'm standing there. So it's there, like the, you know, the kids' baby
3: stupid. booties and shit that you clearly, your passport thing. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs>
5: Gold Kruger hands, the whole thing. <laughs> your Todd <So>,
3: Hewer watch.
5: <laughs> uh, no, she would have that. So uh, I get I get through that little drama and I get the vacuum and I go to vacuum and it's just absolutely not pulling. Like, vacuum is one of those things that if it's good, it's supposed to suck, and it's not sucking. I, I look at it in, in like, the, the, the valve on the bottom where you, like, screw in the, to plug the hole in the bottom because it's a wet drive vacuum that little cap is missing. And it's absolutely full of shit that's been vacuumed up. So I take the vacuum, I empty it into the trash can and go on a quest looking for this thing. And that's the point where I realize my wife and I do things very very differently when it comes to projects and I've already kind of torqued her off by making her dig in the garbage to start with and I had this vision of her like for some reason taking that cap and dropping it into the tub of the the shop vac for like safekeeping to deal with later and I got so I go and I like dig through all the stuff I just dumped in the garbage looking for it and Mm -hmm. incidentally she didn't do that so I go back and I'm, ask, I'm asking her, you know, uh, did you see the, the cap to the vacuum? Because I really want to use the vacuum. Oh, well, we're running low on time now. I really got to get this thing clean. And of course she hasn't, and she's already kind of irritated at me. And it's you know, like, well, no, nah, you know, last time I used the vacuum, I noticed it didn't work very well. So so then we got to get into one of those. Well, if you notice it didn't work very well, didn't you notice the cap was missing on the bottom? That's why I didn't know it. Finally, I like duct tape, duct tape the hole in the vacuum, vacuum up my car. And I am, I am really now just ass out running late to actually wash the outside of the car. So I go and I just I just turn the key and I drive to the nearest gas station that's got one of those car washes. Overpriced, crappy right, car yeah. wash.
3: Just, you pull through real quick.
5: Yeah, one of those. And okay. I pull into the parking lot and I see there's no line for it. There's only one car in the car wash. And it appears as I'm driving through that it's, you know, it looks like it's it's about done. So I, I go, pull around, pay my, you know, $4 and type in the code and everything. And and as I'm doing that, this car, like there's no water or anything coming down, when it's done, it's in the drying cycle. It's, you know, getting ready to pull out. And I, you know, I can't get my dollars to go in because they're all crumpled up. You know. Bzz, 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 bzz. <laughs> Finally, you get them in, punch in the code. Fucking car is now, like as I, I finish... Its wash just begins. I'm like, God damn, you know, and I just know when this guy is gonna is selected like the the jumbo <laughs> two hour like
3: the the bonus soft wax.
5: Yeah, where like yeah. They, they have to get the special undercarriage sealant and all that. So anyway, I sit there. I and wish I could wait, get that. Yeah, and, and luckily sealant. he's he's got the the most basic wash, you know, just the wash. Get the hell out the four dollar wash, and he he tries to when it ends he can't pull out you know he's spinning out on that little metal plate finally gets out of there I pull in drive up nothing nothing
3: nothing Nothing at all
5: not even the red light telling me to stop not even the green light telling me to go and that's the point where I realized I got ripped off that fucker waited in the car wash without putting in any money or code until I put in my money oh
3: shit that guy dogged you that's what started
5: it up for him
3: well, but got, wasn't it easy enough to just watch. speak to an employee there and say, hey, that guy fucked me?
5: <laughs> if I had a nickel for every time I said that guy fucked me. Yeah, <laughs> I, I did pull in, and, and I went and talked to the guy inside, and luckily he was like a normal human being that spoke the same language I spoke fluently. And he was really cool. He's like, oh, well, which watch did you get? Okay, here's a coupon. Sorry about that. And I went in and washed my car.
4: Did she say Coupon. But,
5: uh, code, coupon, whatever.
4: It's coupon.
5: Is it coupon or coupon?
4: <laughs> it's, it's coupon.
3: Somebody, you know, as a rhetoric major, I think you would, you know, take the proper approach on
5: it. I did, I said like coupon. That. I'm sorry that your wife is allergic. <laughs> coupon. <laughs> coupon. There's
3: no Jeez. Q in coupon. Anyway. So. There's no fucking chocolate. <laughs> How
4: do you say nuclear? Nu- <laughs> nuclear. Nuclear. <laughs>
5: Microwave.
3: All right, so so it all worked out. You ended up getting your car washed. And
5: my I, my car was washed, but be be aware that is the new scam. People will try to rip you off for car wash by by just <laughs> lurking in there.
3: I will be aware of that. Usually, I just roll up to the car wash and leave my uh, my uh, antenna up so I can snap it off. Because there's nothing <laughs> I love more than snapping off antennas on my fucking truck going through the car wash. You know, I, I have a
5: difficulty in the car wash of getting out because I, I do spin out on that little metal corrugated plate, and it makes it's just all you, you try to try to go, but it's all wet, and you just it sounds like a, an anal duck fuck or something. <laughs> like the makes it <laughs> oh my
4: God. I'm just there to entertain the kids.
3: Where the car wash?
5: Yeah. But do you dance around in the foam and mist or what? <laughs> yeah.
4: That yeah. sounds
3: pretty hot, actually. That I think was. I think I'm going to the car wash more often. I
4: leave the windows down. <laughs> cool.
3: Well, I'm glad that all worked out. So you got it, a politi- you got a nameless political rant this week, my friend.
4: I do.
5: My my nameless man. I am doing all the talking, and you know what? I like it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Two things. First of all. Um, I've noticed the advancement of the homosexual agenda just the other day watching TV. I didn't really yeah, realize Yeah, frankly,
3: it, it's all you talk about on the podcast. So. I, you
5: know what? Maybe my political <laughs> rant is just going to be the homoerotic rant because I'm watching this commercial and it's for some sports drink or something. And I'm looking at it, and there's like these two guys staring at each other from across this this just like courtyard. And they, they move real aggressively towards each other, and then they just run, and when they hit, it's just a big explosion of white moisture, and it goes all over everybody else. And it's supposed to be a commercial for a sports drink. And I'm sorry, man. That that just seemed a little bit gay to me. <laughs> anyway speaking of gay my my nameless political rant is as such dude i i I have slammed these religious people we we slammed the religious right and these hardcore religious nutbags and i just want to go on the record as saying if there is any organization in the world that does more for the poor and destitute and hungry if there is any organization that does more for them than the catholic church i don't know what it is it's, it is a shame, it is a shame that churches, which do so much basic good in the world, are getting tarred with the, this brush of their, their hardcore, intolerant, ignorant, hateful minority of, of their parishioners. And I just, as, as we deal with pro-life people that are gunning down others we got to remember that the church in and of itself isn't necessarily a bad thing. Catholic church, Baptist church, independent churches, LDS. they really do bring a lot of good in the world. Absolutely.
3: And, so, and, and uh, you know, for the most part, the, the people that I absolutely, I couldn't agree with you more. That there, there's a certain brush that is painted because of an extreme group. That kind of, you know, adds a tarnish to people who are good everyday Christians who are doing good stuff for people. And I, I that's fucked up beyond belief to me that, you know, you would hear somebody say that, yeah, I'm a Christian or express their beliefs on, you know, say Facebook or whatever. And you would look at that as odd or overbearing when it, essentially you should look at that as being a good thing.
4: Yeah. Honestly, there's been a lot of, there has been a lot of hostility towards some churches, especially with regards to, I mean, specifically the California, you know, marriage, gay marriage ban. And I have to side with the fact that, you know, if a church, if a particular organization, any organization can rally its people, you know, to fight for its own cause, then that has to be respected. And even if it's not, you know, in in the way that I, you know, expect it to be or or want it to be. I have to say that they did a good job rallying their people and they fought for their cause and that has to be respected. It has to be admired.
5: Yeah, I don't agree with them, but uh, yeah. And that's That's the way America works, damn it. We'll (laughs) work it out.
4: So,
3: Brother D, uh, let's let's bounce back a little bit. Talking about, remember (laughs) last episode, we did a little bit on the uh, credit default swap issue. Where you, you went deep, kind of explaining that, and we got a little e- uh, voicemail from our friend Brother D, so I'd like to play that now. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Brother D from Mail Order Zombie. How y'all doing? So, I'm listening to the episode, and, you know, I, I gotta tell you, this whole AIG thing Gord started talking about credit default swapping and all that, so a little of that went over my head, gotta be completely honest. However, if he's saying that we can bet $100 he's gonna go bankrupt... I'm on board. Sign me up. Where do I do that?
6: Because I'd be willing to make that, that, because, you know, it's Steve. Come on. You're probably left for dead with him. You know how it is? All right. Stay there, man. Peace.
5: I think he understood it just fine. Oh, wow. I think he's got the hang of it.
3: Thanks, Brother D. You know, I, I can think of an assurance that you can actually afford here in this situation. For the slim fee of 100 bucks, you can guarantee that I won't shoot you in the back of the head on Left 4 Dead night. Or I won't suddenly have a microphone malfunction when a hunter is jumping on your chest. So if that sort of thing is worth it to you, a uh, $100 to my PayPal account would handle that
5: nicely. And really, there's no amount of money you could pay me to prevent me from shooting my teammates in Left 4 Dead. so ahead. <laughs> You've made a career out of that shit. I, I, should, I'm going to get an achievement for that. Just wait. <laughs>
3: okay, thanks, brother D, for calling. As always, we do appreciate it. So, what pisses me off? My, what pisses me off this week is my fellow asshole diners. We, uh, last week, I uh, went to the uh, local bar, Red Hook Brewery, with my buddies Limo and Andy C. What's up, fellas? Both listeners to the show. Uh, and so we go in, we order some beers. And we're waiting, and it's it's a pretty busy night, right? And we order a plate of vegetarian nachos for the table, and then we each order various burgers, salads, things like that for our dinner. And so we're chatting, and for a long time the food does not come, right? And we see this table next to us that was seated after we were. And this waitress comes out of the kitchen and takes them a platter of nachos. And I look over at the time and I say to myself, you know what? I bet those are nachos. And so, you know, you're kind of looking at the body language. The waitress puts the nachos on the table. The people who are sitting there kind of look at it like, you know, and you just see there's something tentative about them eating. They're not digging in like you normally would if that was like the food that they had been expecting. So then, not two minutes later, some more people came out of the kitchen with a burger, a salad, like the exact food that we ordered, right? Yeah. So the people at that table say, oh, no, that's not our food. But they're already macking on our nachos. So. Like, they dig into the nachos. And so the, I, I say to the waitress, um, miss, I think that's our food because we ordered a burger, we ordered an Asian salad, we ordered that stuff, and they're probably eating our nachos right now. The waitress looks at me, turns around, and walks back into the kitchen, completely ignoring what I say. Oh, my God. So then, a few minutes, they walk out with the food. Our waiter comes back and says, oh, you haven't been served yet? Well, it looks like the other table got your nachos. And I'm like, yeah, no shit. It does look like that, doesn't it? And so then the the waiters come back out with our food and give us our burger and our salad and whatnot. And so we're sitting there eating, and I'm kind of making jokes about, oh yeah, now we're going to get our dessert nachos after the fact, right? Yeah. And so then the waitress, the same waitress from before, brings out another platter of nachos to the same table. Oh jeez. So I get up and I walk over to the table. At this point, I've decided I'm going to live. I'm going to liberate those fucking nachos. So I walk over to the table, she walks off, and I said, yeah, so you know what I think happened here is, the, is that you got our food. That You may have ordered nachos, but, uh, you know, you got the, a platter of nachos. We sat before you, and then you got all of our food. So I think those nachos that you ate before were our nachos. And the guy's look kind of looking at me, and I say, so are you going to eat these? Cause you've already had the one platter of nachos, <laughs> and the the one guy sitting there goes, "Nah, no, go ahead, take them." I, all right, so we take them and we eat the nachos, right? Yeah. And so I hear these guys like they're all mumbling, kind of behind our back, talking about us. And this other table says, "Oh, you think that's funny? They got our beer too." So, so this other t- they got the other table's beer. Jeez. So the whole, thing, yeah, the whole thing's fucked, right? And so yeah. so then I, we finish off the nachos, and we're getting ready to leave, and the guy, I hear the guy like bumbling under his breath. And so I say, hey, uh, have a nice night, fellas. And the guy says, oh, hey, uh, I wanted to ask, how are our nachos? <laughs> and I'm just thinking, you're such a dick, because you didn't say, you know what, these aren't the nachos I ordered. Because their nachos actually had meat on them.
5: Oh, so you got the better nachos. You got yeah, a nacho but
3: we ordered the vegetarian nachos, which they didn't hesitate to, to fucking eat. So the, the, I just turned to the guy and I said, they were delicious. <laughs> and I turn around and I walk out of the bar. What a fucking dick. So that pisses me off. When you get food that is not your food, you know what? Say something about it. Say yeah. something to the waitress. You know what? I don't think this is quite my order. Perhaps there's somebody sitting close by who would like these nachos,
5: which are actually theirs. <laughs> Fucking assholes. I tell you. Assholes. You know what pisses me off? What's that, dude? Bananas. Bananas? B-E-A-N-A-N-A-S, B-A-N-A-N-A-S. Bananas. <laughs> how,
3: yeah.
5: how does the, the benign banana piss you off? The benign banana is not so benign. Here's the thing about bananas. It's, it's the time of year when we get bananas. And we get... Bananas, they come into my house, it's warm now, and we don't eat all of the bananas before they turn brown. (laughs) As soon as they start to brown, no one will touch the bananas. Yeah, you you
3: get about three days worth, yeah. Yeah,
5: Yeah. and then you you know what happens, right? Because you live with a woman, what happens to the bananas? They get put into the freezer with vague promises of banana bread in the future.
3: Banana bread or uh, banana smoothies, which actually I will give Julie props for.
4: She actually makes Thank some banana you.
3: smoothies. I do. Oh, really? I
4: make smoothies when the bananas start to go brown.
3: She'll oh, put yeah. a little our, strawberries with them. Our bananas just them, go
5: into the freezer, frozen. And that's it.
3: Frozen blueberries from Trader Joe's in the blender, and she actually does make smoothies. I'll I tried her, putting I'll the I'll bananas
4: in the freezer once, and they stayed there for a very long time. So now we just make smoothies.
3: Now I've just, yet to get the chocolate dipped bananas that I was promised <laughs> <that's> at one <laughs> at one point, but I, Is that I will. Is
5: like a Cleveland Steamer?
3: Uh, I will give my lovely wife props for uh, actually making the banana smoothies.
5: Oh, that's nice. Yeah. That doesn't happen around here. We just, we get more and more and more of these, frankly, they look like turds. (laughs) In the freezer, and uh, I don't even care about banana bread. It's not like, oh, goody, banana bread's going to (laughs) happen. I don't... I don't give a crap about banana bread
4: which is why banana that, smoothies are the perfect thing because the kids can make them be good yeah, yeah I, I've got no love for
3: any kind of vegetable bread so like zucchini bread that people might make
4: zucchini bread's good
3: no that's no, not that's fucked up right it's there it's super yummy no, toasted with butter no it's an abomination before God toasted I wish with you would never speak
4: butter. of it Butter. I'll make some next week <laughs> <laughs>
5: You want some frozen bananas? With the
3: exception, at some point I actually developed, if there's enough cream cheese frosting on it, I will eat carrot cake. Mm. But that is the lone exception to the vegetable cake rule.
4: Although I have to have it without nuts, so really, what's the point?
5: <laughs> well, you got Steve.
4: <laughs> um, and once, uh, I'm the wrong Steve
5: bread. for the uh, oh.
3: about nuts story, aren't I?
5: Yeah, <laughs> you, are. you are too nut Steve.
3: The with nuts Steve, yeah. Okay, so Julie, you got anything that pisses you off? People.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, moving right along.
4: (laughs) No, people, people piss me off. You know what happened to me this week? I'm sure you do. Well, my daughter came home, and she said, you know, in like just casual conversation about her day, oh, you know, I went over into the woods with my friend, and um, some guy came up and said, hey, can I take your picture (laughs) in the woods while two... 10-year-olds were by themselves. And I said, hmm. Nothing wrong with that. That oh, <laughs> that seems kind of wrong. So what's the situation? And she told me the situation. And basically some guy just came up and said that he wanted to take their picture because, I don't even know. He just he was, with
3: to, some he was with group. some
4: historical group and wanted to take a picture of the site. And I asked her, oh, did he give you some identification? No. Did he ask you for per- parental permission? <laughs> No. So, um, yeah, stupid people piss me off. That's kind of it. Because (laughs) stupid people with no common sense. In this day and age, I ended up kind of just going with my gut, basically, and reporting it to the police. And I kind of felt, you know, bad because I was raised to be, you know, oh, I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure it's fine. But. I didn't feel no, fine about fine. it, so a police officer showed up, and he said, you know, you're right. It's not illegal to take pictures of children in public places, but considering the remote location, it's um, strange. Basically, the adult should have had more common sense, so, I don't know, people with no common sense pissed me off.
3: And we, we did find out. It ended up being on the up and up. But, you know, we sent an email telling him that he should reconsider how he approaches children for, you know, photography purposes. And hopefully everybody, you know, came away from it with a lesson learned.
4: And I guess what really pisses me off is that I'm sitting here thinking, oh, I'm like validating the whole thing. Oh, he's an old guy. So old guys, you know, they think things were safer back then. Because, of course, for us, when I was younger, things seemed safer. And now they don't seem so safe anymore. But at the same time, old guys are perverts too, right?
5: That's right. I look forward to being a dirty old man, but I'm not going to be a pedophile.
4: Right. So that pisses me off that I'm constantly sitting there, you know, saying, oh, well, he's an old guy, so he's got an excuse. He doesn't have an excuse. The that's minute right. that I'm sitting be there. used to a stupid young guy. Exactly. Anybody. The minute I'm sitting there and I'm alone with children, I'm like, uh-oh, alert, alert. Where's the parents?
5: Yeah. That's... You mean you don't ask him if you can take pictures of them?
4: No. Yeah. <laughs> I don't Not so much. I don't even want to touch them I've had strange children come up to me Because they feel lost or alone or something And they want to hold my hand And I'm like, oh, don't hold my hand But at the same time I'm thinking Oh, this poor child needs comforting yeah, What do you do? What you, do you do these you days? You protect
3: your own kids You know, you do what you can
4: Right It's It's a tough question
5: Episodes. No, it's really not a tough question. You you don't you don't let strangers take pictures of your kids. Well,
3: that's not a tough question. Talk about you know when other children approach you.
5: Oh, you know. yeah, I've had that happen where like a kid would think that I'm because I'm wearing the same clothes or whatever. You know, next thing I know, there's a there's a kid grabbing onto my leg, thinking I'm his dad or something, and I just like kneeled down got down at his level so he could see my face and you know talk to him you know is your, are you lost you're looking for your dad and then made it real obvious to people around me like hey I, I am talking to this lost child me stranger helping lost child but not you know not holding his hand or.
4: well yeah i'd be like if the kid were grabbing onto my leg i'd be like shaking my leg trying to get him off <laughs>
5: Well, see, by kneeling down, that pries the hand loose, and then then he can see that you're not his dad, and then he doesn't... Right, and that
3: opens him up for, like, a, you know...
5: Punch to the gut. Cobra punch (laughs) to the throat. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Try to make me look like a dirty old man. Shut
3: (laughs) All right, so we, uh... Are we done with our what pisses
5: us off, folks? We are.
3: Cool. Well, we had, actually, some listener mail this week. We have a uh, new listener, Steve M., from Oklahoma, Fired in with a uh,
4: Can you try that again? <laughs> Steve M from uh, Oklahoma. Oklahoma What the fuck? Oklahoma's I'm reading readin over here Oklahoma is okay New listener
3: Steve M from Oklahoma fires in uh, New listener to the podcast Keep it up What pisses me off? In this case it's Walmart But other stores do it too Our Walmart in Owasso, Oklahoma is remodeled Now, the dog food and bread is kept in the very back of the store, so if you want to just run in and grab something that is a necessity, such as pet food, bread, or any of the other staples of a household, you have to walk down aisles and aisles of bullshit that you don't need just so your eye might catch a glimmer of something you'll buy that you're not there for in the first place. Don't get me wrong, I understand the idea of advertising, but I also understand how fucking cows are herded. Now, to get to the fucking 90 pounds of dog food, you have to go down aisles of 8-ounce bath towels, kitchen stuff and stuff and uh, both I and the average shopper don't need every week. Thanks for listening to my bitch, Boneback Guys. And to the department stores, I would just like to say, Moo! No, but you do need you
4: know the what? towels. You, you, need the no, you, towels. You, not, you need the Martha Stewart towels. You need the Martha Stewart towels in Arcania First Blue. of all, that's in uh,
3: Kmart. That's not Walmart. Oh, so right. Thank you. Store. <laughs> Second of all, I, I've got to agree with this guy. Steve is on the fucking ball because Walmart is nothing but a series of gauntlets you have to run. First, you have to run the gauntlet of the, ma- the mass of humanity in the front of the store. Then you have to go, like Steve said, through miles of aisles to get what you want to go. You have to run the gauntlet around the lady who's got her cart turned sideways in the fucking aisle as she looks at detergent or whatever it is. Then, finally, you have to kiss the goiter of the- the ancient bridge troll greeter at the front of the store and answer them their questions three to get out of the fucking store. <laughs> it's
4: ridiculous. Then why don't you go to Target? Walmart is way too far out of my way. But I have Steve, to go there in with Owasa, a purpose.
3: Who knows? You can't even speak intelligently as to what store shopping options there are in Owasa, Oklahoma. I guarantee Perhaps you. Perhaps that's his only option. I and guarantee if such, you. He's got to walk to the buffet back of the fucking store to get 90 pounds of dog food. Who wants to lug the bag all the way to the front of the store?
4: I guarantee you, I go to Oklahoma, I go into the Walmart there, and I know exactly where I'm at because each one of them is situated exactly the same. You know what,
5: Julie? I think that perhaps you should go to Oklahoma. I think I should. Right
3: now. (laughs) Okay. I think Steve's right on. Anyway. You know, and it's interesting because I actually read a book uh, a couple of years ago called What to Eat by Marion Nestle that kind of chronicles all the studies that they do for grocery stores, like what placement, putting the milk in the back of the store so that you have to walk past a bunch of Keebler Elf crackers and shit in order to get to the milk and other kind of high-margin items that you may buy.
4: Are you saying you don't have the power to resist the Keebler Elf?
3: I do, but that doesn't mean that they don't wave it in front of
4: you. That's true, but that's their job. It's marketing. Well, right, that is the it's, job of the right, retailer. Right, but
3: what Steve is saying here is that it's a glorious pain in his ass to have to wander by that shit and i don't know that if it you know work. what's even not more if you have a t- focus if Are you're well, like so what, i gotta go to the, the, the back option? of the
4: store to get the dog kibble then that's all you do is you go to the back of the store get the god dog kibble but what's
3: the reverse option you go to Seven Eleven and pay six bucks for a gallon of milk exactly i mean the guy wants a gallon of milk and dog food why should he have to walk through all that shit at a reasonable price make? no less
4: because well, Walmart and Seven Eleven are completely different entities. Walmart can get bulk discounts right, just like Costco and all that What we're Sam's talking about is his shopping, exactly. his shopping
3: options here. Exactly.
4: And if he needs cheap milk, he goes ships. to Walmart. If he needs if he needs convenience and no problems with marketing and all of the other bullshit, he has to I go mean, through. He goes to Seven Eleven. He's got to
3: weave through all the fucking you know.
4: How much is it worth him getting that milk? So okay, let's
3: off. move on. <laughs> So, music. Our uh, musical guest this evening is MU-330. Uh, Again, they're a ska-punk band formed in 1988 in St. Louis, Missouri. The uh, original members actually met at uh, St. Louis University High School Music Class 330, and that's where the name of the band came from. Uh, The band is self-described as Psycho Ska and is known for its lively performances and its double trombone attack, which is pretty badass. The uh, uh, longest-running members of the band are Dan Potast, who's the uh, vocalist and guitarist, uh, Ted Maul, the drummer, and Chris Diebold, who's the bassist. They've been with the band uh, through uh, all their inceptions. Uh, The band uh, released their first album, Press, in 1994 on Moonska Records. Uh, It's now available through Asian Man. Uh, 1996, Chumps on Parade. Uh, 1997, Crab Rangoon. Uh, MU-330, their self-titled album in 1999, Winter Wonderland, which is a holiday uh, album in 1999 as well, and Ultra Panic in 2002. That was actually the last new release that MU-330 put out, Uh, so it's definitely been a while, but the band is still working on new songs. Uh, Guitarist-vocalist Dan Podest has been mostly focusing on a solo ska project and his new band The Stitch Up, while drummer Ted Maul has been recording songs for Bagheera, a side project he has with his wife. Uh, still, I have it under good authority that the new MU-330 album should be amazing when they finally get around to finishing it. Most of the songs are completely recorded, they just need to redo a few parts and get a really good mix. Uh, you can find one of the songs that has been completed on the Ska's Not Dead compilation, which came out on Asian Man Records last year. So uh, that is the uh, story of MU-330, a great band. We're going to be busting into a song, which is appropriate to our food-themed episode right now, called Fried Chicken. Rocket. Thank you MU330 for the awesome music that was Fried Chicken, taken from the CD Chumps on Parade, which you can get from Asian Man Records, or via direct download from DownloadPunk.com. So we are at our show topic, the theme for the evening, which is food. And uh, I was thinking, like we did, you remember our Halloween episode a few episodes back? Uh, We kind of did a little quiz. I'm thinking of doing the Bone Bat Food Quiz. What do you think, guys?
5: Yeah, let's do it. That's great.
3: Sweet. Let's bust this shit. So, how do you take your coffee? Question number one. Milk with sugar.
5: (laughs) Analy. Oh, wait. Come on, black coffee. If you want a cup of cream and sugar, why'd you order coffee?
3: Yeah, I got to admit I go with a little cream and even more sugar. I like my coffee sweet
5: and hot.
4: Honestly, like I am a win in Rome kind of person. If I'm someplace where they don't do the sugar, then I don't do the sugar. I take it however they offer it. Cool. Remember
5: that for
3: later, Steve. All right. What is your favorite way – to what food is your favorite way to start the day? Chocolate. Really? You eat chocolate for breakfast?
4: Hell yeah. Oh, you yes. know what,
5: Julie? I'm with you there. Chocolate. And you know what's what's even better? You get a chocolate croissant.
4: Oh, my God. I, and
5: you, you follow it up with a mocha. You
3: guys are yeah, baby.
4: Up. That's – Pretty much my Thursday morning special.
3: That's wrong. I need. Steve I, doesn't know that. No, nah, I need pork <laughs> products. Bacon, sausage, something along those lines. It would have to be that, and an egg would be my favorite way to start the day. Something yeah, protein. No, come pretty
4: on. Pretty much bacon, Christine. Yeah, bacon. Well, maybe chocolate dip. Maybe chocolate dip bacon. <laughs>
3: <laughs> they actually make stuff like that. I'm sure. Pretty amazing.
4: Now they okay, have Okay, so bacon bacon business let's, let's cards. go
3: this way. Uh, what is your basic dining habits? Is it three squares or many smaller deals
4: spread throughout the day? Grazing.
5: Yeah, I, I have coffee for breakfast, maybe a granola bar with it. And then lunch is kind of a crapshoot. Maybe it's something, maybe it's not. I just try to, in the summertime especially, I try to swim at lunchtime. So there's not a lot of time to eat. And then I eat more of a substantial dinner. Which is the opposite of what they tell you you're supposed to do, right? You're supposed to have a light dinner and, yeah, and you know, have a big breakfast You're supposed or big to have lunch. a big breakfast yeah, to
3: start off your day. Yeah.
5: And you know what? I'm built like a stick man, so what the fuck do they know?
3: Well, I, I kind of do like you do. Well, although I, I guess I tend to have a bigger lunch. Uh, breakfast is usually something. I'll have coffee and I might have a bagel. I might have a banana, oatmeal, something like that. I have a bigger lunch and then a bigger dinner. I'm Which not, is
4: unfortunate for I'm him. I'm definitely because, uh, not
3: a stick man. So I've
4: been making salads for dinner lately. No, that's nice. it's,
3: it's a good thing. That's
4: It is a good thing, but I think Steve's more of a meat and potatoes kind of guy, and I'm trying to sort of get him towards uh, the meat is the side dish kind of thing.
5: No, make a meat and potato salad.
4: Right.
3: That's what I do. All right. So we're as we roll up on lunch, what was the best burger you ever ate? What was on it, and where did you get it?
4: Blue cheese and All red right. onion.
5: Blue cheese and red onion. Awesome. Where was it? I have
4: no idea, but that's just really good. <laughs>
5: cool. That sounds good. Uh, you know, the very best burgers I've ever had, and I couldn't nail it down to one, but they've all occurred at my house, made by me. Really? Oh, yeah.
3: Huh. That's interesting. I make a mean fucking burger. But you make a
5: Spartan burger. Yours is like a stripped-down little skeleton. How of a would burger. you
3: even fucking know? You've never eaten a burger about this made on by this my show.
5: Hand. A, a burger, man, it's got to have a whole bunch of good stuff on it, and mine my, does. My burger shake brings me. all the boys to the yard.
3: What? Does my shit, does my burgers have
4: shit on it? Your burgers have shit on it. I make a mean burger, I'm telling you. I like sauteed mushrooms. I make a badass burger. Sometimes avocado.
3: But that said, there are a number of places that I enjoy visiting. In and Out -Out. being number one. Uh, It's close now, but Bubba's Burgers in Eugene, where I went to college at University of Oregon, made a mean burger. Triple X in Issaquah makes a great fucking burger. So all three of
5: those places I would revisit again and again. Dude, we need to get sponsored by a Burger Joint. No Did shit. Did that in and out? Come on, sponsor us.
4: What's your favorite candy? Reese's Peanut Butter Cup.
5: Oh, man, I don't know, but it would have to be something with dark chocolate.
4: Although before that, it was Abba Zaba.
5: Abba Zabba. Oh, God. How many fillings is that taken out in this country?
4: <laughs> a lot.
3: <laughs> For, you know, when people can't get jujubes. I'd have to what say you, Three Musketeers or Butterfinger, probably one of those two. Yeah.
4: Steve always gets on my case because I pick the candy that's on the bottom shelf. <laughs>
3: You're very good <laughs> at it. Bottom of the bottom of the I really, candy.
4: really like hundred thousand dollar bars.
3: I have a. I I go for a higher a higher shelf level. I think. So, what food immediately takes you back to your childhood?
5: Liver. There's nothing. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I gotta say that, as odd as it might sound. Whenever we would go out on the boat to go fishing or whatever, my mom would always make tuna fish sandwiches. So whenever I have a tuna fish sandwich, I can close my eyes and I'm on a motherfucking boat.
5: Wow. Uh, I thought you were going to go where a tuna fish reminds you of your mom. I was going to say, yeah, tuna fish reminds me of your mom too. That would be Ew. really fucked
3: up. Thanks for that.
5: Sorry. Yeah, I wasn't going to do that.
3: Mom, yet another reason why you don't like Gordon. Go ahead. <laughs>
5: What about you Julie?
4: I don't know. There's so many different things. Like you know, I don't, I don't know. My mom was very eclectic, so obviously, you know, I did say liver because I remember her making liver. I remember liking liver at the time. Mm. I don't like it Filters. anymore. Yeah, and you know, like prickly pears because we used to go pick prickly pears down in Southern California, and then she would use those and make them in interesting dishes. I don't know, just weird stuff.
3: Okay, who makes the best barbecue?
4: Me, deep.
5: <laughs> Steve probably does make better barbecue than me. I I, I will concede that. Oh
4: point. my god, you would totally. My, my
5: barbecue is good, but I, I like barbecue. my I
3: like my barbecue, but I, I don't make my own sauce, so I can't hundred percent. I can't hundred percent. I, I have made my own sauce, but I don't. I don't feel like I have a sauce recipe that I would hang
5: my hat on. Man, so, I've got religion. I've been making sauces all summer long. A lot of different sauces.
3: So I, I gotta say uh, I like Dixie's here in Seattle. My that's that's my favorite local barbecue.
4: No, your pulled pork sandwiches are way better. I don't know. I don't know. theirs are out. fattier and greasier.
3: But they put a hot link in that motherfucker, and that's awesome. So mm. yeah. you could oh, put a hot, hot link, link in yours. Hot link buried in hot pork. Oh
4: fuck. Steve smokes his pork for so long. Yeah, Gordon <laughs> so Gordon likes
3: that. When Gordon does his barbecue, he likes it to be over in 20 minutes. I kind of always kind of wonder about that.
4: <laughs> does Gordon eat pork? He's very
3: quick. He's trying to get it over quickly.
4: Gordon, do you eat pork?
5: Do I eat pork?
4: Yeah. Pork? Mm.
5: I even smoke my pork.
1: Awesome.
3: Sweet. Okay. Uh, t- on a totally different tack, what's your favorite vegetable? Artichoke.
5: Really? Wow. Is artichoke even a vegetable? It's, I think it's, it's, it's a not weed. A fruit. I think it's a it's like weed. A, it's a flower. <laughs> it's, a, it's a thistle. Oh, man, I don't know. There's so many good vegetables. Maybe red bell peppers are, are pretty... No, you know what my favorite vegetable is? What's the that? cuke. The I, cucumber. Hmm. I gotta
3: I gotta say when they're ripe, tomatoes. No, those are oh, fruits, honey. Oh, yeah, see? That's those are fruits. Too. Fruit! Pluto is a planet, and tomatoes a fucking
4: better. Fruit! <laughs> They're fruit. Tomatoes okay, are fruit. Okay, let's let's move on. I like tomatoes. Name a lot. three
3: food items that make you say "fuck you." I'm a grown up. I don't have to eat that shit. Brussels <laughs> sprouts. Hold on, hold on. Brussels sprouts.
5: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brussels sprouts, eggplant, and crusts on my toast. <laughs>
3: <laughs> let's see. I got to say, stewed tomatoes, um, beets. And
4: no, no, no! You like beets now.
3: No, I, I really don't. No, you do. And uh, whoever came up with the idea that you got to <laughs> pair fruit with fucking pork all the time? I don't want pineapple uh, rings mom. on pork. No, it's more than that. That was your mama. Looking recipes. Recipes yeah, it have it that shit all the time. But, but that's why you it. have the avoidance. Yeah. No, no, it's not. I don't want fruit on my pork. Fuck that.
4: Your mom put pineapple and applesauce on your pork, oh, yeah, and now yeah. you can't deal.
3: It's like I'm gonna wrap bacon around a fucking kumquat. Are you kidding me?
4: You like bacon wrapped around anything?
3: No, yeah. No, that's. I guarantee
4: you, I wrap a bacon Keep around a kumquat next week. Fruit you'll eat it
3: away from my pork. <laughs> okay, what is your favorite gut bomb comfort food?
4: Chicken uh-huh. pot pie.
5: Chicken Man, pot pie. Man, you know what? You know what's absolutely evil that I eat, and uh, and uh, I, I'm uh, sh- ashamed to admit it, but. Like take a can of smoked oysters, peel the lid back, dump hot sauce on it, and eat it with saltine crackers.
4: That sounds good.
3: <laughs> oh, I can, I can go you one better. You take a couple of slices of whole wheat bread. You uh, boil or uh, grill hot three, three hot dogs. Slice them lengthwise. Place mm. them on there. Take an Nally. entire can of Nally's chili <laughs> and pour it on the top. Great cheddar cheese and chopped onions over the top of the whole mess and eat it whole.
4: He's been eating this since we I've met. been eating
3: those chili dogs since I was a little kid, and I have them a couple times a year. They're so fucking good, but it's got to be like 3,000 calories if it's anything in one sitting. When <laughs> oh, I yeah. met
4: him and went to his apartment, it was either that or um, ramen.
3: <laughs> okay, so it's summer and you were at the farmer's market. What fruit are you looking for?
5: Tomato. Nectarine. A
3: peach if I can get it.
5: Oh, we just started getting peaches. They're they're small and really, really sweet. Just this yeah. week. Up, up
3: here, we're not going to get a peach that isn't woody until damn near September. <laughs> you
5: said woody.
3: Yeah, the, the, the peaches suck. Okay, where's your favorite deli and what do you order when you go there?
4: Zingerman's.
5: Ooh,
3: <laughs> oh, and that was bad choice. too
4: because I should have said Cantor's.
5: Yeah, well, Grazella's sort of bought the farm for oh. I don't know. Are they back up in action? Can well, I say they are? They were
3: up. I I would say Grazella's. And okay, that,
5: Grazella's. That salami over there. I don't know. Something with a lot of meat and spice. Something That's with meat. something involving salami.
3: Grazella's in its Salami, provolone, and peppercini peppers sliced in it. Oh, I love that sandwich on sourdough. Fucking outstanding. So, what would you order at Cantor's and or Zingerman, <laughs> sweetie?
4: Well, it's Zingerman's, mm, probably a Reuben, just because you got me to like the Reuben. Cantor's, I don't know. I got some weird rem- memories of Cantor's, but I like the place, so I'd go in there and try it again. Granzella's, I, I like Granzella's, and I pretty much just follow you, because <laughs> you, you order well.
3: Okay, restaurant meals. What is it? What has been your f- single finest dining experience at a restaurant? I gotta think about that.
5: Man, I was I was on an island and I had the seafood platter on this particular island and it was uh, it was just flipping awesome. It was just this giant trough of fresh seafood and pretty much just rolled in it and ate it. it was so good. Was on
4: Hawaii by any chance? No. Hey, that's one Although, you know you. what?
5: The best pizza I ever had was with you guys in Hawaii. That was pretty, that good. Was pretty good pizza.
4: Man. Oh my god, well if you hike up two and a half miles straight uphill on, you know, 90 degree weather <laughs> well, pizza's like gonna taste pretty nine good. Well,
5: months pregnant.
3: Yeah.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, I have to say my finest restaurant experience was probably Charlie Trotter's in Chicago. It was one of those experiences with like a seven course meal where they just kept bringing you amazing thing after amazing thing and that was that was by far, kind of my uh, most extreme amazing restaurant experience.
4: I think I've had quite a few, but the one that that comes to memory right now is in London at that Hungarian restaurant when we had the um, what was that the, gay the noodle dish yeah gay yeah the saw. gay hussar well, we had yeah. to take
3: Ali out on the sidewalk oh crying my in the god
4: and the guy was we we even showed up to the restaurant early because we had this you know tired baby and London is just not a baby friendly friendly place and. And she was just not having it, so um, we took turns out on the sidewalk. But man, that was a good meal with the uh, the noodle dish. I forget what that's called. What's that called? Uh, chicken paprikash. Yeah, and then the um, the dessert, which was a, it was uh, a poppy seed strudel, poppy seed strudel, strudel. With, oh, like with some, some kind of cream sauce. sauce oh it, my yeah. gosh, that was
3: so that good. was pretty amazing.
4: That was awesome. Wow, I'd cool. be there again. So
3: uh, you just mentioned pizza, Gord. Uh, what is your go to pizza?
5: You know I. It's, it's got to have pepperoni on it. You, you start with pepperoni and you go from there. It depends on where you're getting the pizza. But I, I put just about anything on a pizza. Almonds, uh, different kinds of olives. I don't, as long as it's got pepperoni as a base, I think you're set.
4: I never liked pepperoni pizza until I um, started eating the spicy salumi pizza from... Our local pizza company, and it's a spicy salami from a local deli here. It's not pepperoni necessarily, but it's a it's salami, kind of a and it's really good. a spicy pepperoni,
3: but it's outstanding, yeah. Pagliacci in Seattle, awesome pizza place. Yeah, I, I got to agree. Pepperoni is, is my go-to. If it doesn't have pepperoni on it, it's not a pizza. All right, perils of the table. What was your worst case of food poisoning?
5: <laughs> Let me tell you, I had broken up with this girl. Pretty much crappy deal broken her heart. And we were we were going through that stage of the relationship where we're we're actually kinda we're we're trying to remain friends and and it was her birthday and you know, back before everything had gone downhill, I told her that, you know, I'd take her out for her birthday. And so I manned up and I did it. I took her out to this Thai food restaurant and I got so so violently sick afterwards. I mean, to the point where I was like slurring my words. I lost my capacity for speech. I was just just sick as sick could be. And I had to like have my then-girlfriend call my ex-girlfriend to say, hey, Gordon's really, really sick. He got food poisoning. Are you okay? (laughs) Which I don't even know why we decided we had to do that, but we did. (laughs) So... Uh, yeah, it was it was really really horrifying on a lot of levels, and I think that uh, my then my ex girlfriend took a lot of joy out of that. <laughs>
3: oh, shit. How about you, sweetie?
4: When I was in junior high, I was staying over at my dad's girlfriend's house, and I went through her. Um, it was pretty early in the relationship, and I was going through her refrigerator, and she had some fried chicken in there, and oh wow, I was like, hey, fried chicken, awesome. And I ate the fried chicken. Oh, my God. That was probably my first incidence of food poisoning. Stayed up all night. I was asleep in my stepsister. Well, what later became my stepsister's bed. And I was just so sick. That was just the suck. And I got to tell you, <laughs> since then, i if meat goes even beyond three or four days, I don't eat it. <laughs>
5: Yeah, I, I usually, I'm the same way. It's like, if, if there's a one in a hundred chance that that is going to give me food poisoning, whatever that is, no, nah, don't eat it. It goes in the trash. Yeah. I just absolutely won't risk it.
3: No kidding. Well, I have to say my, my worst case was actually seafood based. Uh, Julie and I hadn't been dating very long and uh, we both worked for the same book company in Southern California. And uh, we had gone to this, some sort of a a book uh, manager's meeting or something. And on the way back, we stopped at Red Lobster and had like their all-you-could-eat shrimp buffet thing. And needless to say, I woke up at three in the morning projectile vomiting all (laughs) over my bedroom. It was just like I was sleeping flat as a board, and I suddenly sat up, stock upright, and was puking. (laughs) it was the most insane thing ever the only time it's ever happened and so that that by far yeah that was my worst case so um, on a totally different uh, a totally different subject yes or no food and sex do they mix
5: no no they really don't it sounds cool but it's like kind of like fucking in a hot tub in real life it's really not all that great
4: i agree no because sex is like exercise and exercise and food don't mix
3: I always think of that Seinfeld episode where Costanza has like the pastrami hoagie under the bed because he's trying to mix sex and food, his two favorite things. I absolutely agree. I I can't stand to uh, mix sex and food. As a matter of fact, I kind of like to, you know, lean on skill and skill alone. My penis, if you will.
5: (laughs) How long have you been saving up that one?
3: (laughs) Episodes and episodes. You have no idea.
5: (laughs) Yeah, the thing about food and sex is really—I don't want to put into me anything that's already come out of me. it's
4: <laughs> All right, so here's my question: Is there any food that turns you on?
5: Uh, no, I don't have a food fetish.
4: Really? You couldn't do like um, whipped cream on the nipples or anything? <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't do it for you. I was just thinking of oh, Seriously who, you know, on, on a whose
3: plate. nipples?
4: Anybody's. <laughs> Seriously. like
5: steve's nipples okay I
4: any guess. girls nipples whipped cream nothing no really
5: well see now you're you're, you're trying to mix food and sex and and you Again, we, yeah we established that, that. i'm not that, like gonna not get a big bad. plate of what? of chili cheese fries and, and pop boner that's just not
3: <laughs> <a good one.
4: laughs> okay but would fava beans on the nipples do well, the same thing fava
3: beans. and a nice chianti <laughs> yeah. yeah what about
5: you julie
4: Uh, yeah, probably chocolate, strawberries, whipped cream, that kind of thing. Okay, good.
5: All right, we know it's for dessert tomorrow. Sweet.
4: (laughs) Tomorrow.
3: (laughs) Okay, so it's time to party. What are you drinking?
4: Martini with olives. Three olives, please, and vodka. (laughs) How about you, Gord? I'm
3: drinking a beer. Very good.
4: Or tequila.
3: I think uh, I'm probably drinking. Given the choice of anything in the world, uh, I'm liking uh, reposado and añejo tequilas
5: lately. So
3: I think that's where I'd lean. I, I like scotch too, but uh, I think yeah, I, I like liking, scotch.
5: But it's a sipping thing.
3: Yeah, but the, the good tequila is a sipping thing as well. It's good stuff. So okay, on that on that late night note, it's 2 a.m. and you are on the road. What do you eat or drink to keep yourself awake?
5: Oh, man, it's Coca-Cola. I I do have a Coke
4: habit. Tommy's number five. It's
3: more (laughs) Coca-Cola. That keeps you awake, Tommy's? Yeah.
4: Tommy's number five with the chili.
3: (laughs) That's a burger, folks, for uh, you who are not uh, familiar with the ins and outs of the L.A. burger scene.
4: That's yummy. It's
3: an absolute gut bomb. Chili
4: cheese fries from Okie Dog. It'll
3: keep you awake because you'll need to shit.
4: Anything with chili (laughs) and fast food.
3: Uh, You know what I discovered lately? Actually, that chewing gum will keep you awake if you chew it on the right side of your mouth. Did you know that?
5: You're full of crap. No, it's absolutely true. Try it. You're you're absolutely full of crap. No, I'm not even going to try it. Okay. Can't make me.
3: Final question. If you could choose your last meal, what would it be?
5: Something that takes a long time to eat. (laughs) (laughs)
4: Like a (laughs) cow?
5: Yes, a cow. Uh, One cow, please. An
4: entire... (laughs) Uh, of cattle. I like a multi-course fondue. Thank you. <laughs> I think
3: I'd take like a some sort of slab of beef, a nice steak, baked potato, uh, some sort of like, I don't know, asparagus with hollandaise sauce, a uh, uh, salad with like red onion, mozzarella, and uh, tomato dressed with like a basil and a vinaigrette. And then uh, probably some sort of like a chocolate cake for dessert.
4: I think he's talking Ruth's Chris House.
3: Something Morton's would be good.
4: Morton's, that's it.
3: Yeah. Uh, any Ruth's any Chris s- House. A big Which I've done it. Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. That's what, she's-
4: <laughs> that's what I meant.
3: One of those, you know, big steak places. But something like that are pretty awesome. So that's
4: the quiz.
5: Did I pass? My, I don't know. It I want to know points, points for discussion. What I don't know if is right wrong
4: The grossest thing you've ever eaten.
5: Man, a sea urchin row would have to be right up there.
4: What? Ooni? So we're talking uni, right? Yeah, because I was going to say uni's pretty nasty.
5: No, that's that's some nasty stuff right Okay. No, no. But Steve, Ooni's I'm sure fine.
4: Steve has a speed. Go ahead. What? Because I've eaten sweetbreads too, which is kind of gross. But uni is still sweetbreads disgusting. Are good. I've, eaten,
3: I've eaten calf brains.
5: My wife ate a goose stomach salad once. Oh, that's that's so pretty nasty. Up right there. Although, I've
3: never eaten any insects, so I, I would think that any well, you anything just said that you have
5: hot would...
3: dogs. Well, yeah, but, our
4: snails. But, that, insects? No,
3: those aren't insects. Those are more rat feces and tails.
4: Oh, I've eaten snails. <laughs> but Steve told me one time when he was on a date with one of his older girlfriends, where he had a prawn with like that was yeah, it still of... had
3: like the the fucking
4: feelers and
3: yeah legs and eyes antennas <laughs> and
5: a uh, big sack it was fucked up was i was crazy. in belgium and i got a seafood platter once again And belgium is not an island julie and uh <laughs> it was this worm this like sea worm rose up out of the the, the shellfish and like just was all growling at <laughs> i don't know <laughs> what it was it was just insane i called the waiter over i'm like Hey, I don't know about this. And he's like, well, what's the problem? And he looks at it. And the waiter looked at it. The color drained from his face. And he went, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's something you never want to hear from
3: your waiter. No. <laughs> oh See, shit. and
4: I've had blood sausage. And I've had, I don't even know, um, sweetbreads. But uni still is the worst. It's just the texture. But my mom loves it. My mom loves uni.
3: Yeah, uni doesn't bug me at all. Sea urchin rose fine.
4: So, okay, here's my question. Would you eat, um, like, roasted tarantula? Yeah, sure, why not? Yeah, I'd try. Really? How about worms? Yeah. Again. Is there anything you wouldn't eat?
5: Uh, you know, there, yeah, there's something I don't eat now, and it's, it's a shame because I used to really enjoy it. But my wife, when she went through her uh, getting her food science degree, every night she took this class on food safety, and she was doing this thing on essentially things you can put in your body that you get from food and how it'll kill you slowly and totally mess you up. And every night she laid out some new pathogen, some new parasite, some new like blood sucking hookworm that lives in your eye and sucks your intestines out through your nose or something. And every single time she ended it with, and an important part of his life cycle, occurs inside the crawdad.
4: <laughs> <laughs> after,
5: after like you know a year of that, I can no longer eat crawdads. Won't do it it sucks because they're great they're like little lobsters but <laughs> no nope. does
4: that include like shrimp and prawns and stuff too I've never been a big shrimp fan anyway I'll,
5: I'll eat like a shrimp taco mm-hmm. not a prawn fan you know I'll, I'll eat crabs and lobsters and stuff but it's just she just screwed me on the, the little mini eats. lobsters man the crawdads <laughs> not eat them anymore it's a shame
3: Okay, uh, we've had a couple, actually, uh, a few contributions from uh, folks on the internet. Uh, Our buddy Rob says, The best meal I ever ate was at a Cub Scout overnight. Uh, Some kind of beef hash. I can still remember how it tasted, like victory. Three (laughs) three things I don't have to eat as an adult. Fat, overcooked vegetables, Oscar Mayer bologna.
5: Oh, amen.
3: And then uh, we have uh, one more. This came from... Big Al in Sacramento Favorite meal of all time uh, The ribeye steak Who cares about the size Three foods that uh, you say Screw that I'm an adult I don't have to eat that His three foods would be Tomatoes, liver and cottage cheese Can you imagine the first guy Who ever ate cottage cheese And uh, finally What would his last meal be If he could choose it A huge bowl of beans Oh really that's what he says. Oh,
4: man. Steve's got problems with that. That's
3: okay know, be last meal. You
4: do. You don't like beans.
3: <laughs> I don't like too many beans.
4: You don't like how many beans I make.
3: Yeah, you make a lot of beans. I do. You're a bean-making fool. <laughs> I'll tell you. All right. Well, that's the end of the uh, food segment. Uh, we're going to play one more tune from the esteemed MU-330. This is a slow jam dedicated to all you lovers out there. This one be called Stuff. We'll be right back.
2: you smile and I
6: This is Josh Eisenstadt, director of Dark Reel, and you're listening to The Bone Bat Show.
3: All right, once again, thank you to MU330 for the awesome music. So, Multimedia Triage, man. Anything you are uh, digging these
5: days? Well, I just saw Up. Let me tell you, good movie, but could they possibly make it any more of a tearjerker in the first 10 minutes?
3: Oh, Oh my my fucking God. God. No shit.
5: I, I, like i got yeah, that best i'm sitting there with a bunch of kids because i took my kids and their all their friends it was like their birthday party thing so i'm sitting there with a bunch of kids and like so a few random parents i don't even know and i'm, I'm like you know, <laughs> i'm just about to lose my shit yeah. in the first 10 minutes of this movie
3: yeah and i mean yeah. and there was you know you knew where it was going from the get go. Because oh, as as you started, saw the I'm trailer. Like, uh-huh. You've seen the trailer, and you know that the movie starts with an old guy. Man, yeah, it's depressing. It made me... Yeah,
5: and there were, there were like, two other times in that movie where I was just like, oh, they, they just grabbed a hold of my heart and wrenched it, which I, I wasn't... But, quote.
3: you know, like, that said, that's why you love Pixar, because they pack so much heart and soul in their stories that it's not some dumb, pandering animation, you know, to kids. It's actually something that's intelligent and heartfelt every fucking time and it's always original yeah and
5: absolutely. It was a good even
3: movie. the short partly cloudy was like the sweetest thing i've ever seen
5: <laughs> yeah that was good i like that and
3: you know who expects that from a five minute short i i don't know i love the movie but yeah totally bittersweet at the start and
5: uh, you know the it, start and, middle and end yeah. right
3: and to a kid it, it probably wouldn't be so much But to an adult who has a family and more to lose, absolutely.
5: Yeah, so I saw that, saw Star Trek. I did catch up with you on Star Trek. It was fun. It wasn't the be-all, end-all movie of all time. but It was fun. Um, And once again, you have to do the, the total suspension of disbelief. But whoever wrote that movie apparently had never taken any kind of an astronomy class where they discussed what a black hole is. but
3: really, it was really movie. was that was that important to the fucking plot? You see, that's you know, irrelevant. That, that
5: was pretty, pretty goddamn glaring. That, that's no, right up there. Who is gives considering the planet shit? flat. That falls you know? into
3: the who gives a shit file, I gotta say. No. The ins and outs of how a black hole actually happens as it relates to the plot, I find that irrelevant.
5: Okay. Well, maybe you should write movies. You're just dumb enough.
3: <laughs> okay, if you say so. But they knew entertaining, and that movie was fucking entertaining. That's what I'll Yeah, say it was it.
1: fun.
5: Well, we,
3: speaking of fun movies, uh, we actually, on Sunday, we went and saw Drag Me to Hell, the new movie from uh, Sam Raimi.
5: Yeah.
3: Fucking, I had a blast at that movie. That movie, you have basically a master director who is sitting there pushing all your buttons. They've got gross-out moments, they've got startle moments, they've got scare moments, they've got loud noise moments, all of it fitting together to make basically the filmic equivalent of an amusement park ride. That was so much fun. What would you think, sweetie?
4: Oh, I liked it a lot. Yeah. I was particularly grossed out, though um, it it had a lot of gross-out moments, and particularly I was eating my popcorn until the gypsy woman early on in the movie like cocked up a really big fat yellow loogie <laughs> and that was really nasty and they showed it and I had to put down my popcorn
1: <laughs> butter with I, that?
4: right exactly I, ca- I really enjoyed the entire movie I kind of had a difference of opinion with Steve about the ending I thought the ending was a little disappointing but you um, guys always
5: disagree about endings
3: though we do well, there's, there's one, and there there's kind of a twist that happens in the movie that I saw coming a mile away, and in many ways, I think it was probably planned that way, but in some way, it kind of took a little bit away from the end of the movie, and I think Julie was kind of feeling like she wished that it actually ended differently. Yeah. But uh, all in all, it was a super fun movie, and I would say go see it with as as packed a house as you can. Because it's the kind of movie that is sort of an event, and you want to have other people around you laughing and being disgusted and freaking out at the same moments you are. It was that kind of a thing.
4: And be sure to take your five-year-old, like the people in front of us, who <laughs> took their five-year-old who ended up either falling asleep or being totally like scared out of his wits. Yeah, that
3: was pretty righteously fucked up. Well, we saw Terminator 4 uh, last week, and I, I thought it was a pretty good movie, if you don't look at it too hard, I, I was entertained, but it wasn't a revelation. So if you enjoy the other Terminator movies and you like your robot-on-robot robot action, it, it's a fun summer popcorn movie, but it's you know it wasn't even as good as Drag Me to Hell. So if you're into that sort of thing, I'd say check it out, but I, I wasn't overwhelmed by how awesome it was. Star Trek was definitely a a better movie and we saw the two back to back at the driving so I guess we should talk uh, uh, before we get into our final movie that we're going to feature one podcast I'd like to mention the uh, the uh, there are a number of podcasts whose commercials we've run on the show Uh, Just Another Fucking Movie Podcast Stephen Thompson show JAFMP Motion Picture Massacre with uh, Vaughn who has called in a number of times to our show Cadaver Lab with uh Mike and Sam, oh, uh, it came from the basement with uh, Jeff Crazy and Dead Mike, and uh, Dave from the Cheap and Dirty podcast have pulled together for the Douchecast 5000. (laughs) It was the most fun podcast I heard last week. They actually uh, reviewed the French film Martyrs and had a bunch of other discussion in it as well. Great stuff, so you absolutely ought to check it out. Anyway, uh, they're going to be doing more shows, uh, douchecast5k.com, check it out, uh, absolutely fun podcast, really enjoyed it. So, uh, last thing we'd like to talk about is the new film on DVD, which is called Dark Real.
5: Could you, could you do that any louder, that, that so part? You know, you're, you're at about 6 dB, I need you 4, maybe 5 dB max.
3: <laughs> that uh, sounds like a line from the movie.
5: So do you yeah, want to sum you know, up? a fun movie. Do you want to synopsize a little bit, Dark Reel? I don't know. What we want to synopsize. Just you know, we're we're going to interview the director here. Heck of a nice guy. Cool film noir, and uh, had some funny characters. Had a had a sound guy that was just absolutely hyperactive. Just ah, nailed it. I ah, just freak sound guy. What else they had? So you're not going to
3: synopsize. You got to you gotta give a little no, okay. bit of synopsis. You, you know, you synopsis. To give people an idea of what it is. Okay. Uh, at some point, That's like back in uh, the I don't know 50s early Hollywood history. There's this uh, brutal murder that carries forward in the present. The film deals with uh, this uh, film producer and this film that he is making, a pirate film. And a number of murders uh, occur on the set of this pirate film. And so that's kind of you have a, uh, a, a, pr- a normal layman and every man who uh, actually wins a contest to uh, to, uh, you know, be an extra in the cast of the movie. And, a walk-on uh,
5: part, one line.
3: A, a walk-on part. And he it's kind of his story about how he deals, these murders happen, and his experience working on the film uh, as the film progresses. So that that's basically the story of Dark Real.
5: And they do a little Hamlet thing, you know, the the play within the play, the film within the film. Right. So it's, which it's which is movies. is it's fun sort of because...
3: Uh, it gave basically the director who was also the uh, the author of the story an opportunity to get a little meta to share some experiences kind of that he's had I think his experiences in the film industry and work that into some comedic bits which uh,
5: hey, I said uh, meta first you can't go and say meta after I can I say meta, meta after you say meta it's
3: in my notes yeah. oh,
5: man so what'd you think of the film dude I had fun it was a fun movie there were some fun characters yeah, it's not going to win any Academy Awards, but it, it's not meant to. It's a it's a it's a fun B movie, and there was there were some things about it that were done better than I expected. You know, the, the production values were generally high, the lighting was good. It was the acting was good. There were some ridiculous characters that kind of made me laugh. The the pretentious actor with his onion chef, and I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> I I
3: pretty much agree with you. I think it, the movie was a lot of fun. It was filmed really well. They did a great job of kind of setting the Hollywood, the old Hollywood atmosphere. Uh, and there, a lot of the issues that you might have with a lower budget film as far as it not being kind of put together well, that wasn't an issue here. It actually was filmed well. Uh, my, my few gripes might be that some of the jokes were kind of ridden a little bit far. It was, you know, ah, I kind of got it. But, uh, so you, you probably could have tightened the film up slightly by cutting some of the comedic bits. The uh, kills were, for the most part, pretty amazing. There was a lot of gruesomeness. It was a lot of fun. And
5: uh, Yeah, I could have done without the whole Jackson Pollock with the <laughs> severed arm, though.
3: <laughs> I, I enjoyed it. So uh, I would suggest checking it out.
5: Yeah, you can you can rent it on uh, Netflix, on, on Redbox.
3: Yeah, it's it, actually, I checked that out. I saw it. It was in Redbox this morning. So... Uh, You can get it there, and it's also, you can buy it off Amazon. So, uh, with that said, uh, here is an interview with the director, Josh Eisenstadt. Please enjoy. We've got uh, something different for the Bone Bat Show. We've got a little bit of an interview. Uh, I'd like to welcome Josh Eisenstadt. He's director of the new film Dark Reels to the show. How's it going, man?
6: Good. How are you doing? Good to be here.
3: Very well. So, uh, Dark Reels, we've both had a chance to watch the film, and, uh... We have a lot of questions for you. Uh, how'd you got, how did you get started in filmmaking?
6: Well, it's something I've always known I wanted to do. I mean, pretty much since I was six years old, I you know, was asked by my grandparents. to actually have this on tape. Uh, they said, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, I want to be a movie director. <laughs> and I don't know how I knew, but I knew. And uh, I guess here I am. And here you are. All you have to do now is grow up. <laughs> yeah, you can maybe them. someday I will <laughs>
3: <laughs> Well, fortunately, that's uh, one of the good things about being a horror fan You never really have to uh, grow up, do you? So, no. I, have you always been a horror fan?
6: You know, I don't even know if I would classify myself as one, really Really? Um, I appreciate a lot of horror films
3: uh-huh.
6: But I'm always more into the psychological And psychological horror more so So you could see
5: yourself doing more of a psychological thriller As you, as you progress uh, through your, your directing career Maybe so that's start where the next going to
6: film's be. Oh, very cool. Cool. Yeah, so, the next film's going to be that.
5: Dark Reel. Now, it's Dark Reel, not Dark Reels, right? D- dark Reel. Yeah. That, that was a... You know, I guess you could call that a, a low-budget movie, but that, that certainly would straddle, as far as I was concerned, straddle the line. I thought that was... There were some pretty high production values in that. You had some some uh, bigger-name actors. Uh, the, that was a, a well-done movie. The, the lighting was... Uh, was particularly well done. I thought that was, you know, not just creepy but really well lit. The scene—I uh, I won't give any any spoilers away—but the the scene in the beginning, that's mm-hmm. uh, set in sort of a sepia tone, black and white.
6: That, that was that was some badass work right there. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that was the yeah the beginning with uh, a Scarlet May. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the uh, we were going. We actually used uh, old black and white thirty-five millimeter stock for that.
3: Oh, did you? That's very cool.
6: So it actually is
3: pretty much authentically what was shot on in older films. Well, that was very cool, both the way it was shot, and I think you did a really good job uh, throughout the film, Ed, as kind of setting the place in Hollywood. So there was, you know, the driving through the Hollywood Hills also added that aura to it, and it almost kind of reminded me a little bit of like Lynch in uh, Mulholland Drive or Sunset Boulevard, you know, that sort Uh, of, of yeah, the big car driving at night through the Hollywood Hills, and you really did a good job of capturing that as well.
6: Oh, thank you. Yeah, I love uh, I love David Lynch's films, and you know, Mulholland Drive in particular is one of my
5: faves. So, yeah, there were a few really nice nods, uh, more obvious nods to things that you obviously like. But there were also it seemed like you know, the movie within the movie, there were a lot of uh, I don't know inside jokes, maybe that that those of us on the outside didn't get, but we could tell they were like, like what what was the deal with the onion chef? Was (laughs) that modeled after somebody?
6: No, not anybody in particular, but. When you're making an independent film, there's always a lot of strange people. And, you know, any in the film industry, we have all sorts of extremes. And these characters in the movie, they're actually not that far off from the way people are. I mean, it's different things. I've never met anybody with the onions. But I actually heard recently from somebody I talked to that they actually knew somebody that actually had onions on set. And I had no idea that that was real. <laughs> but it was just kind of... It started because I knew that the character had to have bad breath, so people would recoil from him. But I had to come up with a reason why in my own head. Right. And I thought, well, red onions, Some people think that it, you know, flushens up their pores. And since this character was supposed to be as pretentious as he was, right? What was the way to take that a step further? Well, he has a personal, you know, five foot two onion chef that <laughs> wears a French chef's hat and brings him onions to the set. Was, How else do I make it any more extreme than that? So exactly. that was kind of, kind of where that came from. And I. Had a casting call, my casting director brought in, I think, God, 45-foot-two actors. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Witt, who played the role, was just hilarious. He also, for horror fans, Witt Hurtford, who plays the Onion Chef, was uh, Freddy Cougar's son in uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 5, I believe.
3: Oh, wow, that's really cool.
6: Yeah, he played the little boy in that uh, Freddy Krueger, the dream child.
3: <laughs> well, you you really did pull together a great cast for the film. I mean, we've got Lance Henriksen, who of course is Bishop from Aliens and Pumpkinhead, uh, Edward Furlong from Terminator Two and American History American History X, Tony Todd from Candyman, of course, uh, Tracy Walter, who you know a lot of our our listeners will know as you know Bob the Goon from Batman. But that guy mm-hmm. was in Serpico for Christ's sakes. I mean, he's yeah. been in everything.
6: Every movie.
3: <laughs> and then you've got Rick Baker, makeup effects legend was a pirate extra?
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's well, he has awesome. one
3: line. <laughs> oh, one guy. line? Okay. <laughs> and then uh, Rena Riffle, of course, from Showgirls, Mulholland Drive and Candyman 3 and uh, Scream Cream, Tiffany Sheppas. So, I mean, what what was it like working with such a great cast as genre veterans?
6: Oh, incredible. I mean, absolutely incredible. Um, and, you know, uh, several of them, I you know, are going to be you know, have major parts of the next movie. Um, Rena Riffle's is going is, is and uh, Tony Todd is also. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm looking to get together another incredible cast for that. Uh, but with this one, I mean, it was uh, God, it was quite amazing. I, um, you know, they all have different ways of working, but they all bring their A game. And uh, you know, I just remember some of the scenes, just filming with these actors that you know, been in a million films that I respect, and you know. I've always loved their work, so it's just it's it's kind of a dream come true in a way.
3: So, so did you have a, a few of those movie geek moments where you're like, holy cow, I'm directing Lance Heinrichsen?
6: Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Uh, I think, actually, the first day of working with Lance, uh, let's just say that there was something that went wrong, and I had to, I don't know how much I should say about this, but I had to basically walk with Lance. They were getting his trailer ready. It wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. But Lance was really cool about it, and uh, I ended up walking with Lance and uh, Brooke Lyons, who plays his uh, secretary Tanya. Yes. We wrapped that yeah. up where we were filming our first scene in the office, and we ended up walking to 7-Eleven to discuss the scene because we were waiting for the trailers to be ready. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm standing, and that was the first day working with Lance. I'm standing in 7-Eleven with Lance Henderson and, you know, stuff, and uh, <laughs> discussing a scene, which was pretty interesting actually, and kind of a little surreal. So you don't expect you're going to be standing in 7-Eleven with Lance Anderson.
5: No. That's... I hope you bought the Slurpees. You didn't make him buy his Slurpees.
6: <laughs> no, I, I, we, we didn't have any Slurpees. But it was around that time that the whole idea, there's a whole thing in the movie that uh, Lance Henriksen's secretary, Tanya, whenever he says her name, she'll repeat what he just said. Yes. Yeah. And that actually was something that came shortly after 7-Eleven, actually, just discussing with the, with the two of them. That was not scripted.
5: <laughs> well that's, right. that's a good thing. That went through the whole movie. I like that.
6: Yeah, well, and fortunately with was our first day of filming with them because if I would have thought of that idea later, I wouldn't have been able to put it in because it wouldn't have run through the whole thing.
3: Uh-huh. Well, that's, so, it, it was kind of cool the way that uh, you did a good job with characterization. So the different characters would have, you know, just a little something more to, to remember them by. And especially because you had a pretty large cast for the film. And, you know, each one had a distinguishing characteristic that kind of helped you keep track of things. You did a good job with that.
5: Well, yeah, but you, tell yeah. us, it's for always... real, who is the sound guy modeled after?
6: <laughs> oh, Bandana Man. Um, we, I call him Bandana Man. There's, it, it's a composite. <laughs> Very fanatical
5: mind. sound guy.
3: Already, I've though, been... it's it's made it into our podcast, because earlier tonight I was telling Gord, you're like at six dBs, I need you at four, maybe five tops.
6: <laughs> yeah. How am I doing right now? Am I spiking into the red? <laughs> But uh, yeah, actually, when you're doing sound, I mean, you guys know when you're doing sound, it actually is very exciting when you don't, uh, when you stay in the green. Yeah. And I personally get very excited about it. Um, yeah, for me, it's a
5: treat when Steve does anything right with the sound.
6: <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Appreciate that.
6: Well, it was funny actually because I actually worked on the sound with this with uh, uh, speaking of the Mulholland Drive thing, uh, John Neff who. Uh, the person who makes the sound, for who was the uh, sound designer for this, is the same sound designer for Mulholland Drive. Oh, wow. Uh, John so- F. Ann, straight Story, and a lot of Lynch's films, and uh, used to be the basis for Wolf, and has a lot of experience. But And I've known him for a long time, and we were working on it, and he said, uh, did you model this character after me? <laughs> and I said, no, I promise you I didn't, which I didn't. But <laughs> a lot of people that do sound seem to think that it's them. But, you know, because people get excited. It's, it's, it's really exciting. Sure. And... Uh, I was, uh, I remember when, uh, you know, Rena, did, uh, Rena Riffle did her own film that she just made a Trash called Trasherella, which... Uh, just a musical horror, a right? It's a musical horror. And I remember uh, when she was doing her sound level, she was, you know, she totally understood because, you know, you so much want to get it, not distorting, not in the red, and, uh, you know, everybody, when you do it, when you mix sound, you always get it <laughs> because it's <laughs> exciting.
3: So Absolutely. So that's
6: the best way I could
3: describe where he comes from. So uh, you, you say that you're not a huge horror fan, but one of the things I noticed uh, is particularly in the kills in uh, Dark Reel was yeah. the, the way that you kind of would lovingly linger with the lens over the grislier moments. And then w- once the killer is introduced, you have the ubiquitous black gloves of the sort of cloaked figure. Are you a Giallo fan by any chance?
6: Uh, Giallo, actually, I'm not familiar with
3: that. Uh, Italian, Italian horror and uh, kind of thrillers like Dario Argento and Lucio oh, yeah, Fulci? Yeah, okay. I've, seen,
6: I've seen a few of those, yes, I do like those. Yeah,
3: because that was the first thing I saw, particularly in the second kill, was I was like, oh, because I've been watching a lot of Fulci lately, and I'm like, oh, this guy must, must know his Italian horror a little
6: bit. The second one, not including the black and white one.
3: Yeah. Yeah, the one okay. on the boat.
6: Okay, yes. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> I almost said the character name.
5: <laughs> yeah, easy. <laughs> Spoilers. I <shouldn't>
6: <laughs> almost spoiled that. You know, I think that night, part of the reason I did that was, you know, how with actors, a lot of times, when an actor is going to set, they're bringing whatever their experiences of that day are. Mm-hmm. Whether they know it consciously or not, they are. And uh, if the actor's having a really bad day, that's probably going to come out a bit in their performance. And vice versa, if having a great day, it's probably going to come out a bit in the performance. With the director, it's similar. And on that day, I had this permit guy who would not get off my back about that we had to be out of the location at a certain time. And it was driving me crazy. And I think that that uh, factored into the excessive gruesomeness of that scene. A
3: little extra stress and intensity that just made its way to the screen. I think so. Oh, interesting.
6: I've always thought that, you know, and um, I think that's where... <laughs> I think where that, that's where that came from. You yeah, hear boy, that, permit boy? Back
5: off. <laughs> yeah.
3: You could be next. <laughs> no, no, you're yeah, not we're threatening you anybody.
6: You want to have your body parts all over a ship? Here we go. No. <laughs> so <laughs> yes, what, are
3: you, what are you working on next, Josh?
6: Next? A psychological thriller. Yes, and uh, right now it's tentatively titled Inner Balance or Untitled Desert Project. And I plan to start shooting fairly soon, uh, gearing up to do that. And like I said... Uh, You know, Rena Riffle will be in it, and uh, as you saw, uh, her and, uh, you know, she's going to be having uh, one of the starring roles, and Tony Todd's going to be in it, and, uh, you know, I'm looking at um, several other pretty big actors. Cool. And uh, looking to make this one even bigger. You know, it's going to be a bigger budget than Dark Real.
3: Mm -hmm. And are you filming uh, that, are you filming it also in Southern California, or? New Mexico. New Mexico, Okay.
6: Yeah, and like Dark Reel, you know, of course, I'm going to shoot on 35mm because I love 35mm. Mm-hmm. Well, it and, definitely uh, paid
3: off in Dark Reel because the, the film looked great.
6: Oh, thank you, yeah. that was I just love the look of it. I mean, it's the red one's nice. And did you by any chance see the uh, extra on the DVD called The Making of Gnome Killer 2?
3: No, we did not. That was not on our screener.
6: Oh, you just got a regular screener. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's on the DVD, which is out now. And uh, do you guys remember Gnome Killer? In, uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Yes, absolutely. This is something that I shot for the DVD, and it's a 17-minute mockumentary that takes place two years after Dark Real ends, and Tiffany Shepis and Rena Riff are both in it reprising their roles, taking place two years later, and it's uh, called The Making of Gnome Killer 2, and it intercuts between a uh, kind of a tabloid-type documentary show from a guy named Vern McGuine, who's played by uh, Robert Donovan, who's been in a lot of kind of... a horror movies and stuff, and he's uh, really hilarious. And uh, it's very comedic, and, you know, we see clips from the next Gnome Killer movie. And uh, let's just say it takes, a, it takes that whole thing to a whole new level. <laughs> Before, I'm going to have to check the, that out. We had the Gnome Killer and the Gnome Killer boy in the wheelchair. He returns, too, but now we have the Gnome Killer dog <laughs> with the gnome beard on. It's <laughs> really dangerous. Yeah. So.
3: All right, man. Well, uh, well, a feature on every Bone Bat show is what pisses us off. Okay. So we'd like to know what pisses Josh Eisenstadt off?
6: Uh being lied to repeatedly.
5: That would do it.
6: Yeah. That isn't that part of the course in Hollywood though? Exactly. That's why it pisses me off so much. <laughs> 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 because it happens so frequently. And you know, and it's especially, you know, when it's about something material that's really affecting you and it happens, it can you know, it can really screw up what you're doing if you're taking somebody at their word. And it's not the case. And, you know, I've had that damage me several times. So, you know, that's, that's definitely definitely up there. <laughs> and it is part of the course in Hollywood, you know.
5: Did you hear that? People stop lying to Josh. This yeah, don't
6: lie to me. But you know what? It, it doesn't happen really with the creative people. The creative people, I mean, the actors, you know, writers, those people, it doesn't really happen with them. They don't seem, They don't really seem to lie. And that's why I think I get along with them much better, because they're just into it for for the love of doing what they do, and they want to create something good.
1: Mm-hmm.
6: And, you know, I mean, and all my cast was great in this mm-hmm. movie, and they all were like that. And so that really, ha- it happens more with the business-type people.
3: Right.
6: And those are the ones, you know, you got to, I mean, and they're not all like that. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying everybody's like that, but there are those that are.
3: We're looking at you, permit guy. <laughs> <laughs>
6: well, unfortunately he was
3: brutally honest. <laughs> oh, it was the other way.
6: Yeah, he, That he pisses was...
3: you off too. People are too honest now. Yeah,
6: people that are too honest when they're saying I have to leave leave my uh, day of shooting. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Throw that on the list too. Right uh, on. Well
6: we appreciate your time. Thanks
5: for coming on the Bone Bat show. Um Absolutely. here here at Bone Bat we are we are brutally honest and we are not gonna lie to you. Uh, we will put this out for all 11 of our listeners. <laughs> okay.
3: Great. Well, thanks a lot, Josh. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. So that's the interview. Thank you, Josh. We appreciate you taking the time to visit with us. Thanks, Josh. And uh, I think it's time for Filthy Joke of the Week, sir.
5: fine on. These are food jokes, right? I,
3: I have a food joke. Absolutely. Okay, I got a
5: filthy food joke.
3: Let's do this thing, then. Who, all right. Who's so, going for
5: this crusty old biker, he's, he's riding his his hog way out in the middle of nowhere, and he, he sees this little diner on the side of the road. And he pulls in and walks in, and up on up above the the counter there, there's a menu: it's cold beer, two dollars; hamburger, two dollars twenty-five cents; cheeseburger, two dollars fifty cents; hand job, fifty bucks. <laughs> So he looks at the menu, pulls out his wallet, you know, it's on the end of a big old chain. Flips through his bills, counts his money, makes sure he's got enough. Walks up to the up to the counter, and there's this just ridiculously hot woman behind the counter, wearing Daisy Dukes and a this plaid shirt that's unbuttoned down to here. She slides over and says, uh, "Can I help you?" And the biker looks over and he goes, "I was just wondering, little lady." Are you the one that gives the hand jobs? And she looks at him, a slow smile across her lips. She goes, Why, yes, yes, I am. He goes, Then I want you to wash your hands really good, because I want a cheeseburger.
3: <laughs> That's pretty good. Thanks. So this young man is walking home from school, and he runs into an old guy who's carrying this bag. And he says, What's in the bag? And the old man says, Magic apples. Prove it, says the young man. Well, besides apples, what are your two favorite fruits, asks the old man. You know, the kid thinks about it for a minute or two. He says, watermelon and peaches, He answers. So the man hands him an apple and tells him to try it out. The boy takes a bite, and he it's the most juicy, sweet bite of watermelon he has ever tasted. And wow, that's pretty amazing. And the old man says, okay, turn it over. And the boy does, and he takes another bite. And it is the most ripe, succulent peach that that he's ever tried. The, the flavor is just amazing, bursting in his mouth. And, you know, the kids, you know, wow, that is an amazing trick. But I, I, I got to say, I'm not convinced that these apples are magic. So the old man thinks about it a second. He says, all right, well, name something else you like to eat. And, and you know, frankly, the kid's kind of a wise-ass like Gord. So he says, I like to eat pussy. So the man reaches deep in his bag and tosses the kid another apple, says try it. So he takes this big bite, right, and immediately he spits it out on the ground. He's spitting, he's wiping his mouth, exclaims, oh, God, that tasted like shit. The old man looks at him and smiles, turn it over. (laughs) (laughs)
5: That is funny. Thank you. Do
3: you have a joke, sweetie?
4: No, I'm sorry, I don't. (laughs) <laughs>
5: Julie fell asleep during my joke that's how funny my joke
3: was <laughs> alright well let's wrap this bad boy up uh, once again I'd like to thank uh, Ted and MU330 for the use of their music you guys rock uh, please check out their music at MU330.com also you can buy their albums through Asian Man Records so uh, be like Stephen Gordon and support independent music once again Thanks for listening. Uh, if you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes, Zune Marketplace, or Zencast. If you have anything uh, that you'd like to contribute to the show, our number is 206-203-3115 or steve at bonehand.com if you prefer to email. Uh, we've had actually a couple of cool reviews on Podcast Alley this week, Gord. Nice. Thank you. Uh, someone named Impossibly Funky said, uh, a Vote for the Bone Bat Show. It's a hella cool podcast. Also this month, uh, somebody else said, it's like listening to my life. I love this podcast. It's like watching someone else live my life. Actually, it's kind of creepy, but a good kind of creepy, (laughs) which was submitted by Gruff007. So thanks, Gruff. We appreciate you uh, firing in. Uh, As always, also, you can speak with us on the forums. Uh, I am Bonehand on Twitter, so you can follow me there if you want to hear my uh, intermittent musings. Additionally, you can find new content from me on Boneha, BoneHand.com every Sunday. And, and
5: MightyWombat.com. Weekly cartoon, random other stuff.
3: And also uh, Davis Magazine, correct?
5: Oh, yeah. And what in the column. Once a month, DavisLifeMagazine.com. There's my column. Read it.
4: And you can visit me at Skamama.com. Ska oh, she's awake.
3: Skamama.com. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, baby. Thank for you. half of it, anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, once again, we're going to close out with Who's Your Love by MU330. Uh, take it easy, and uh, we'll speak with you soon. Peace out. You're going to say bye, Gord? Bye, Gord. Bye. Bye, Gord. Bye. This one is too tight tight. I need another This one is too loose loose. I think I'm losing all my juice